Okay. Housekeeping taken care of? We can move on to our interviews. And the first storyteller you're going to get to meet tonight is Craig Worth. Welcome, Craig. And thank you for agreeing to sit down and talk a little bit about yourself, your story, before you actually have to tell a story live and on stage. That means I'll, um, I will have to actually prepare it then. Okay, thank you mm. so much, John. Yes. Oh, okay, you're an improvisational storyteller. We can start right there. <laughs> well, uh, um, this is, the, this is probably the stuff you shouldn't say out loud. I, well, I, I'm one of the ones who was rescheduled from December can we, because of the storm right. cancellation, mm-hmm. right? And it's not that I don't do advanced thinking. It's that it's, it's a couple months later, and, and my story life changes like a stream flows. So, so what was important for me to tell in December has, um, has washed downstream. And now it's related to the, to the topic, certainly. Um, but I just... Uh, it's forming still, and, it, and it was, it's been forming over the last couple of weeks. And, and on my drive over, I totally went in a slightly different direction. So it's going to be exciting to me to hear what I say tonight. All honestly. right. All right. That's what I like. <laughs> Build up the suspense. That's really good. Well, if we can backtrack a little bit, why don't we start by having you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? All right. Um, let's see. I have a positive blood type. I am... <laughs> I am... Uh, I, I, I'm, I know you know I'm um, a number of things, but one is a, a singer-songwriter, and I'm a boy. It's funny. What how, this is a great thing. How do we describe ourselves in in, in brief? I'm a I'm a good-hearted man who <laughs> who uh, enjoys connecting with people through various means, and and music is, has been one of them in my life. But I do other things as well um, that bring me. Um, in in close contact with people and and with their lives and in sometimes supportive ways, which is one of my great joys. Right. Well, obviously, stories have um, always played a role in your life um, through music, through stories. Do you remember um, when you first got interested in stories, or the first story you remember as a child? Yeah, I don't know if I'll remember. Oh, well, I'll tell you. Speaking, of, you did the announcement about the library and about uh, you know old books and things. Um, I I was greatly influenced by one particular book, the story in a book, and it was actually Bambi by Felix Salton. It's I think it's a 1940s version. It's not the Disney movie. It's a very it's a very powerfully beautiful, uh, intricate tale, and it just totally captured me as, as a boy. But more as far as storytelling goes, a live storytelling comes from relatives, right? People, my grandmother Winifred from Newfoundland, who would tell tales about her childhood. Um, my grandparents on the other side talking about their lives. My father telling stories of his boyhood and my mother doing the same through the Depression and, and those things. So it's a lot of family-infused um, family uh, storytelling that really grabbed me as a, as a boy. Yeah. Right. Have um, you know as you as you've kind of moved through your career or careers, whatever yeah. they have been, have stories always played a role, or are you just sort of coming back? No, I think I think stories. Well, I haven't really thought about it quite like this, but stories are a part of everything. I, I I'm interested in how I chose to introduce myself about you know connecting with people um, through music and other ways, and I think. I suppose that the big pattern in my career slash careers, I have a very funny, it's, it's a nonlinear path. It's got a very meandering 
circuitous route to this journey I'm on. But the common thread, or one of them, is that I really enjoy connecting with people. And part of connecting with people is, is learning what their story is and hearing their story from them. And so I know that I'm a big uh, fan of that, and I'm drawn to connect with, with people in ways where I get to hear their story. And I suppose in part to, to share some of mine, but at least as much, um, probably more, is, is hearing the story of another and learning what that is and what's important to them, what they're passionate about. Right. So as, you're, as your life is happening, do you say, wow, this would make a great story? Do you think of your life in stories or is it kind of you reflect back and go, that's a great story? Ah, that's, a, that's interesting. Some, I mean, sometimes a story... Um, jumps out in a way where it it seems to fit with my my primary medium, which is songwriting. So, so I will encounter people and get a part of their story that seems to seems like it would be workable in song form and have power that way, um, another kind of power. Otherwise, yeah, I, I haven't really sat back and think. Well, that's a great story. I usually sit back and think, well, what, how much I treasured that, you know, that connection with that person, that close connection with that person, and their story is a big part of that. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, speaking of your music, um, how does telling a story with music and lyrics differ from the storytelling you'll do tonight, which hmm. is just words? Yeah, it's this kind of storytelling that we're doing tonight is is newer to me. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with discovering, you know, how to use it and how to, to take part in it. Uh, the, the song storytelling is a bit more concise, but it's carried by the music. So you have a, you know, even if your story stinks, people, people might <laughs> like the tune. So you got, the, you got this like insurance policy sort of, and if they're both working, wow, you know, that's a great package. It's a little it's a little. Uh, I'm a little less sure-footed when my guitar's not in front of me, and I don't have that that uh, security blanket and that shield. Um, even physically, it's a little different. Um, and then when I can't, uh, you know, rely on my fingers and my, you know, playing those strings and my voice uh, singing a melody, there's it's it's more naked. I feel a little bit more exposed. I quite enjoy it. And as you you may know, but. I think I'm do, I have like training wheels because what I've the approach I've taken is uh, I tell um, song stories, which are usually it's a story that ends in a in a brief song that the story has inspired, and um, that's been my pattern. So I haven't fully, you know, pulled the music aspect away from my storytelling. Though the majority of what I do is tell the story and then play a song that is illustrative or that the story has informed. You know. Right. When you have a story, how do you decide this is going to be an oral story, this is going to be a musical story? Uh, yeah, many of them, that's, uh, let me see. I'm, I'm trying to, pardon my moment here where I think about what my answer is to that. I think that I'm finding through True Tales Radio, actually, that they, any of them can be both, that I kind of enjoy the opportunity to tell the bigger story 
outside the song, where there can be more detail and more background and a bunch more uh, description. So I'm trying to get the best of both worlds, I suppose, is, is, to, be, is to, to do both, to tell a story in song form, but also have the opportunity to surround it with the bigger picture. Right, and I think mm-hmm. having gone to a number of you know, folk music concerts mm-hmm. over the years, that's one of the things I've always known, liked about mm-hmm. folk music is you always sort of get the performer, performers always sort of tell the story and introduce yes. the song. They give you a context. That, that's true. And, um, and as you, you know, remind me of that fact, I have been a storyteller all throughout my musical days. You know, I have been a storyteller of sorts because I'm in the folk domain and I usually have an introduction to the song that's a bit of a story. Um, this is, it's a little different. I've kind of flipped it with True Tales Radio. It's given me the opportunity to, um, to make song stories in addition to story songs. So in True Tales Radio, for me, it's the story that's spotlighted, and the song is just a bit, a bit of the icing on the cake. In the, in the performance that I do, it's the opposite. So the story, the introduction is one thing, and then the, the, but it's about the song. So this is a, it's, a, it's a different way, maybe, and maybe there are some subtle differences, but I'm really enjoying um, you know, learning about that and working with it. Right. Do you find it evokes different emotions, different reactions in the audience um, that you, does that ever like play a role? Like, wow, I want to get this reaction. This needs to be a song. This, uh, yeah. this needs to be a story. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I've, I haven't quite you know, separated them out, like chosen either or yet, you know, because and maybe, maybe I will the day I, se- I leave my guitar home and just, <laughs> and just tell the story itself. Uh, but I think, I think they can all be both in my because I think in melody and and song a lot. It's a pretty natural medium for me. So um, I think any compelling story for me could potentially be either or both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd just be different different ways of presenting them, both with great with great value to me. Right. Yeah. In your two tales biography, you mention you're studying to be an interfaith chaplain. Um, can you? Tell our listeners a little bit about that and what motivated you. Yeah, that's, well, how much time? We we have like uh, two hours. Let me see if I can start. Sorry, Nick, we're going to have to. (laughs) Um, I've I've always had a a big and open heart. And um, the chaplaincy study is... uh, it's interfaith chaplaincy, as you said. It's but I, what I like to tell people: it's not a sales position. Like I'm not I'm not preparing to convince people about anything or to move them in any direction. Um, I'm I'm I think uh, it seems that I'm preparing myself to be more comfortable in my own skin and better able to uh, to walk with people wherever they may be, wherever they may be coming from, whatever they may believe. So in support in some way. I don't even know what it all means. It just feels like a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good path for me to take. Um, and it's also a way to take the, you know, my natural tendencies and my nature as this big-hearted guy who wants to help in some way, to put it into some kind of a container that makes sense to, to the world. And Interfaith Chaplain is one of those containers where that might make sense. Right. Well, you yeah. said, you know, you like serving people. You've been a storyteller. Yeah. So, you know, chaplain, yeah. it, 
do you sort of see like are they like sort of the strands of your life coming together? Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. So I've got, um, you know, I, I'm not going to balk at it. I'm, I am 60. I turned 60 last December. I don't connect with that number very well. I feel like I'm about 28 inside. But uh, the mirror and and my birth certificate tell me I'm 60. And uh, and where I have a bunch of friends who are looking at, you know, winding their careers down and and preparing for retirement. I'm like really just getting going. That's that's what I feel like. So it's a whole new adventure, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Great, great. Well, we appreciate your taking the time to talk with us. Thank you, John. I um, appreciate it. It's been great, and we look forward to your story later this evening. And now we'll do a little seat shuffle here in the studio and bring on our next storyteller, uh, who is yeah, author and a lot of other things. Nicholas Conley. Um, Nicholas, welcome to True Tales Radio. Wow, thank you for having me. Right, and your first time telling a story tonight, correct? Uh, that's, first time uh, telling one here. And Yes, this is my first time on True Tales. Right, right. Have you done other storytelling? Um, well, I've done book reading events and that sort of thing, but this is the first time where it's just dedicated to just a true story that I have. Okay, and what motivated you to come over and tell your story tonight? Uh, well, it's essentially the same motivation that has inspired a lot of my work recently, which is that I've always been passionate about writing, and it's been my passion since I, before I could ride a bicycle. But uh, some years ago, I began working in healthcare, specifically with Alzheimer's patients and people with traumatic brain injuries and uh, that sort of thing. And that inspired my last book, which is called Pale Highway. And as a result of like seeing people in nursing homes and with Alzheimer's, I felt this passion for speaking out more about that and have, bringing more awareness to what people in that condition go through on a daily basis. So my story today is related to my actual experience in that line of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and if you want to just a little bit more background for folks um, back there. You are a writer. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm a uh, writer, uh, healthcare worker, traveler, and coffee obsessive. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've got all those things down here, plus a couple more. Yeah, the, the basics there. Um, writing, as I said, writing is something I've always been hugely passionate about, and then uh, working in healthcare also. And then I love traveling, and coffee is impossible not to love as well. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and you you began you were a writer first before you went into the healthcare uh, correct field. Yeah. And what drew you to healthcare? Uh, well, basically, what started it is that uh, writing when I was do when I started writing, which was like when I was six. But when I started pursuing it prefer, uh, professionally at eighteen, I needed to have a day job of some sort. So I tried various different things, and I was moving across the country at different times, trying a lot of different fields, and. Uh, what I realized at some point is if I was going to have something I did as a day job, quote unquote, I wanted it to be something that actually mattered, that made a difference in people's lives. So I started looking around and like, you know, I really want to work with Alzheimer's patients. I'm going to see what this is like. And at the time, I, I wanted to do it for that reason, but I had no idea how uh, passionate I would become about that issue after yeah, starting at, at it. What point was there a point where suddenly there was like a switch thrown and you said, oh, I want to not only work with these patients, but I want to write about them. I want to make them sort of the the source for my material? Yeah, absolutely. There, it wasn't my intention to begin with to even write about that, but it was at some point I was just... Uh, 
like working with them, I noticed the kind of dearth of Alzheimer's related literature and media and that when it was released, it always was told from the perspective of someone like a family member of the Alzheimer's patient or what have you. And nothing ever written from the perspective of someone with Alzheimer's and what they were going through. And I felt like the stuff I had seen never quite captured what the experience is like for people in nursing homes and the kind of difficulty they endure while they're losing their mental facilities and so on. Right. Do you, um, and your next book is about... Um, uh, traumatic. Well, so basically, I, this is, again, not intentional. It's just because I happened to start working with people with traumatic brain injuries afterward. And then at some point as I was writing this, I didn't even intend it to be about that at the beginning. But I just realized, OK, there's a book about a traumatic head injury. That's got to go along with that. And it, it's it, I feel like it definitely works because I'm talking about another subject I'm experienced in and care about and want to bring more awareness. Right. To, Do so. you feel that... Um, like you have a calling to tell the stories of people who perhaps can't tell their own? Yeah, absolutely. Because that's it's just such an important thing that doesn't get enough awareness. And it's just people who are in these conditions often have a difficulty. And just like you said, they can't really get it out themselves a lot of the time because these injuries, because they're mental, like make it very difficult for them to communicate those stories. So I feel like it's something people should know and be aware of. And it's important to get out there. Right. So that, yeah, it's almost when people read your books, you hope that it's just more for the entertain. It's beyond the entertainment value. Uh, yes, that definitely. I mean, it's when I, uh, I had an article published on Vox uh, in August of last year. And what just blew me away was within the week after it was on there, I just had this huge amount of emails coming in from people who had a family member with Alzheimer's or this one woman with Alzheimer's just saying, thank you for writing this because people aren't saying this and putting these opinions out there. So I, I definitely feel a calling towards that. Right. Yeah. And if is there... If there was something while we're here and while you've got the listener's attention, if there was something that you'd like to convey to the listeners about Alzheimer's patients and people with traumatic brain injuries, what would it be? Um, well, I guess the most important thing is recognizing that they're human beings more so than patients because there's sort of a – one of the things that always would bug me the most is when people will sort of talk over someone who has a brain injury or Alzheimer's or what have you because they usually can hear it even if they can't respond to it. And you notice that when you work around people enough. And it's, there's, it's important to recognize there is a human being there. They might have difficulty communicating or conveying things, but that is a person who deserves the same basic rights and respects and recognition that anyone else does. Good, good, yeah. Well, now, various biographies describe you, and, <laughs> and you pointed me in the direction of several of these, so yeah. it's <laughs> no one to blame but you on this one. Okay. Um, describe you as a traveler, a truth seeker, a sarcastic idealist. <laughs> And a coffee addict. Um, We can knock these off one at a time. Um, The traveler (laughs) part? Okay, so, I mean, I started getting really into traveling when, uh, well, first of all, I moved all over the country when I was a kid, but I didn't like traveling until I was in high school in North Carolina, and right after high school, I decided, you know what, I want to move to L.A., I want to see the whole country, so, like, on New Year's Eve, I just decided, I just took off in a car and spent, like, some time driving from state to state, exploring the whole country, just kind of zigzagging back and forth, 
And then since then, I've now, like, my fiance and I just went to Morocco last uh, December, and then we were in Jamaica some months before that. And it's just, I love traveling because you get to really experience other cultures firsthand in this amazing way. Great, great. Okay, we'll move on to Truth Seeker. <laughs> how are you a Truth Seeker, and how does it impact your writing in your life? Okay, so let's see. Uh, I guess basically I'm always in pursuit of what's – I mean I don't think there's necess- that human beings can necessarily grasp the entire full truth of the entire universe like exactly, but it's important to kind of reach toward it and try to find some understanding of what matters, what we need to do, what our place is, and what our role is in the universe and in human life and how to be kind to other human beings and moral and that sort of thing. So I'm always trying to fulfill that goal to the best of my ability. And writing tends to be, and healthcare, tends to be the ways I pursue that the most. Great, great. Okay. What is a sarcastic idealist? (laughs) Okay. So I guess the best way I can describe it is I go into any situation with this sort of mantra of uh, hope for the best and prepare for the worst. So I don't necessarily assume that situations will turn out to my liking. And the way that uh, I've heard various people, I'm what the oldest of five siblings, so I'm from a big family. And I've heard people describe the way we interact as seeming uh, negative at first, but it's actually very idealistic and positive. It's just done with kind of a sarcastic slant of, yeah, that's probably not going to work, but we'll probably pursue it anyway and hope that it works out. So, Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought it was something like, yeah, oh, yeah, right, world peace, that'll happen. All <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, it's essentially like, you know, never, you can't assume it will happen, but it's good to pursue the goal even while sarcastically diminishing the <laughs> possibility. Okay, and, you know, for those of you listening at home, because, you know, we want, we're a descriptive medium. Right, right. Um, he is a coffee addict or enthusiast or aficionado, <laughs> whatever word you like. Yeah. And just for those folks at home, in his right hand, right at this moment, um, now... Are you a coffee addict as in the stereotypical struggling writer making pot after pot of black coffee as he, you know, writes deep into the night? (laughs) Or like kind of coffee aficionado, as you can tell us, countless ways to enjoy the brew at every coffee establishment within a 50-mile radius? Okay, I guess you could say both, depending (laughs) on the scenario and what I have going on. If I'm in the middle of writing a novel, it's definitely like pot after pot of coffee. But if I'm more relaxed, I'm checking out the local coffee shops and trying different ways of brewing it and stuff. It just would. I mean, it was when I, I think when I was a kid, I saw coffee as like the gateway to adulthood or something. Mm-hmm. So I was always sneaking cups of coffee, and I would get up early in the morning just to sneak cups of coffee, and it was just instant coffee. But it, it began a lifelong obsession that has mm-hmm. lasted to this day. Okay, and you know, your biography also alludes to the lifelong habit of wearing Hawaiian shirts. Listeners at home, he did not disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> nope, every day, for every day, for yeah. years and years. <laughs> okay, you know, now on award shows, you know, if you listen to the red carpet shows, yeah. you know, they always are describing the fashions. Yeah. You know, so you want to describe for our listeners, um, like, how many of these do you have? Well, it's at various times it's been more, right? I think I own roughly, probably about 20, but I get new ones and get rid of old ones and so on. I mean, I've had many, many Hawaiian shirts, and I've found, I mean, I'm actually somewhat selective with the ones I keep, 
But what I've found is that the everyone you meet owns a lot of Hawaiian shirts that they're trying to get rid of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you find that someone's like, oh, I got all these Hawaiian shirts. They're like 4XL, so I don't need it. You could have it. You wear these, right? And it's like, well, I don't know. Let me see it. <laughs> so you never know. But that's, uh, I've been wearing them for since, like, uh, I think I started wearing them when I was about 15, and I've been wearing them since. <laughs> okay. Um, and like we said, you are a first-time storyteller, tonight mm-hmm. um this you, we don't want to go into your story but um what it, what made you choose this to be your first story or uh well so for it, what made me choose this one was uh first of all i thought about the theme of frontiers and it definitely i've thought of a lot of different uh it relates to my experience working in the alzheimer's unit of a nursing home and I thought of a few different possibilities I could go with, but there was one story in particular and one particular person, uh, resident that I took care of that really grabbed my attention and felt very fitting towards the theme and had a, a huge impact on my life. So, Okay, great. We look forward to hearing that story and want to thank Nicholas and Craig for being with us tonight, being right, thank our you. <laughs> interview subjects. You can go back outside and join the other storytellers out right. on Soundstage 909 as we get ready to transition to Catherine Tucker Wyndham and tonight's storytelling.